And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast. As tonight, we will take a look at two more contenders in the Big Ten women's group tonight. Tonight, we'll be looking at Maryland and Nebraska. I am your host, Kathy Amos, along with my co-host here, Jeff Marlowe, on the Doing the Work podcast, the newest show on the Back Home Network that's dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. And as we do most of our shows, we start our show tonight with our banner moment. And tonight's banner moment occurred yesterday, October 18th, when the first official AP Top 25 poll came out and our landed the number 11 spot. This is the second time in a row landing a top 15 spot for our women's program after they were number eight last year. And not only is this momentous for our own women's program, but for our school in general, because this is the first time ever that both the men and the women's program have both been ranked in the top 25 preseason. So the expectations are high for both programs, and this is just where we want them to be every year going forward. So I don't know about you, but is anyone else excited to get started and see how it all plays out? I know I am. Um, a few other headlines, Jeff, um, we'll hit, um, and then I'll turn over to you for um, a couple things. But first, I should mention our, our banner moment tonight is, as always, sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Um, Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their, their products for uh, schools already existing in their line. So you're bound to find something you, that's good for you or as a gift for a friend or family. And don't forget, holiday season, believe it or not, approaching pretty quickly. So it's a good time to go and check it out. And even if you have friends or family that aren't associated with a school or don't really have anything like that, they actually have a core line that doesn't have schools or teams associated with them. So take a look at that as well. It still gives you a high quality product and it gives you something that maybe you're, you're looking to be a little more neutral in what you're wearing. So go to homefieldapparel.com. And if it's your first time purchasing, you can use our promo code home, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's home for 15% off. And the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. So Jeff, I'll hit these quick headlines and I'll kick it over to you to see what kind of thoughts you have. But um, the other ones we've had since our show last Wednesday, um, on Monday, there was an article on iuhoosiers.com about Chloe Moore McDeal. This was Chloe Moore McNeil. It was written by Pete De Premio. Um, it was a really great article, and I think it just highlighted again for me um, what's really becoming a stronger and stronger feeling for me that Chloe is going to really jump into an even bigger role, talking once again about her, her focus on defense. Um, and then just, I think today we had two people named to some preseason award watch lists. Sarah Scalia was named to the Ann Myers Drysdale watch list, um, which is for the best women's shooting guard. And Grace Berger was named to the Cheryl Miller watch list, which is for the women's best women's small forward. So with that, I think now a former girls high school basketball coach here to spread all of his basketball wisdom to both me and all of our great listeners. Let's send it over to coach Marlowe for coach's corner. Jeff, what's on your mind tonight? Well, you, you stole all mine. <laughs> you, 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 not only did you switch up the banner moment on me, but then you took the one I thought we were going with, and you mentioned all that, you know, the awards. So I don't have anything left, really. Uh, you know, I did a little last-minute editing, like ten minutes uh, before yeah, we started. You, Surprise! You didn't waste anything. Uh, on your toes. <laughs> I, I, I will just say, I guess I will add on that um, the IU being number eleven is the second highest their preseason rank. They were number eight last year, and this is now fifty-eight 
consecutive weeks that IU has been in the AP top 25. Um, now I'm sure that's a record for Indiana. But it's also it shows to a certain degree what Terry Moore and, and the program have built, that they are a, a, a consistently top 25 program. And I can't imagine them really falling out of the top 25 at any point this year unless somebody, you know, we have a rash of injuries that lead us into some type of really deep losing streak because, you know, you're going to lose the college game. You're going to lose four or five games a year just in the league. Um that's not, but that's not going to drop this team out of the top 25. So it just, again, it shows more and more of what the doing the work uh, podcast is here for. And that's to cover a, a top quality women's basketball team in, in Indiana women. Yep. Ab- absolutely. Coach. So um, anything else, or we can jump into the meat of our, our program tonight, which um, it's, it's going to follow very much similar, I think, to what we did last week. No, I think, and by the time we get here next week, I think we'll see some, I think we'll see, I, they're kind of dribbling out these, award watch list one a day i would imagine we will see mckenzie holmes on i believe it's the lisa leslie award list because that's for the centers i'd be shocked if she's not on that top you know that it's it's a top 20 so you start out with the preseason watch list of 20 and then they'll whittle it down throughout the year until they kind of get to like a final five or six toward the end of the year uh with that so but i I, but i can't think of anybody else i was a little surprised about scalia uh being in the top 20 i shouldn't have been when i really think about what she had done last year but just because she's so new to our program i wasn't thinking that way wasn't shocked about grace but i don't know if we'll see anybody else besides mckenzie possibly on that list and i would expect her to be on that and like i said i think that's the lisa leslie list yeah, i so, think you're right but other than that no i'm ready to talk about maryland and nebraska all right well let's just jump right in so um we'll kind of follow the same uh setup that we did last time. So I'll kind of go over what I could glean from different websites and looking at the rosters between last year and this year. Um, and then I'll, I'll throw it over to you to kind of do a breakdown. So we'll start with Maryland um, on the um, previously mentioned APs poll. They are currently ranked 17th in the nation and they are picked fourth in both the coaches and media poll to finish in the big 10 um, in terms of players. Um, they have a pretty small team just in general. 11 of their 13 players are listed as either guards or guards slash forwards. So they're the, what I could read about them, they're really expected to rely more on their speed than really muscling and pushing people around maybe on the block. So that might be interesting when we can talk about matchups and how they might handle McKenzie Holmes. And we've kind of talked about starting five. This might be an interesting time where we have a smaller starting five, but um, in terms of returning players, um, they have two main players that are returning. First is Diamond Miller. Um, I think most people remember her. Um, she was, a, she will be a senior guard. She was on the All Big Ten first team both last year. I'm sorry, two years ago, and then on the second team last year. Um, she missed a lot of games last year because she had a knee injury, but she still ended up averaging 13 points per game. Um, and about four rebounds per game. And for this year, she is picked to be. Uh, she is on the preseason All Big Ten game team um and then the other returning player of note would be um shane sellers um for those of you if you watched any of uh, maryland last year she was the one that wore the prescription goggles that you don't see very much so she kind of stands out um it's a really cool look but she was a freshman last year so she's only a sophomore coming into this year um she was the big big 10 sixth player of the year last year and she also made the big 10 freshman team she did end up starting 12 games last year 
and is expected probably to take a predominant starting role. Um, she still averaged 26 minutes a game. And again, that's expected to go up. Um, kind of similar to us, but even more so, uh, Maryland is relying a lot on transfers. And I'll talk a little bit later about, you know, they are just quickly because they did lose Reese, Awusu, and Collins last year or from their last team last year, um, all transferring or graduating. So they have five transfers coming in. So first, Lavender Briggs is from Florida. She's also another guard. She was on the all SEC second team as a sophomore last year. Um, she averaged 12 and a half points per game. She did suffer a foot injury in February of 2021, so that did slow her down some last year. Um, one that I think IU friends, fans probably, again, if you watched us in the NCAA tournament against Princeton, will remember Abby Meyer. So Abby is originally from Maryland, and she's going to be a senior guard for them next year now. She was Ivy League player of the year last year, as well as, of course, then the first team, All Ivy, and All-American um, honorable mention. She averaged just under 18 points per game and just under six rebounds per game. Um, my favorite thing about her is just remembering her 29-point performance when they beat Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. So um, she is also expected to be one of the team's And then just real quickly, the other um, transfers, they have um, Eliza Pinson from South Florida is a graduate student guard. Brene Alexander from Vanderbilt, another um, super senior guard. So using her fifth year there at Maryland. And then Ali Kubik um, from Towson, who is a junior forward. One of the few true forwards listed on the roster. Everyone else is um, pretty small. So that's a quick rundown of the, the roster. Anything, Jeff, there that you remember from last year or any of these players that you want to point out I haven't talked about? Well, Diamond Miller is the real deal. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously she was hurt last year, and if she's healthy, she's the real deal. Um, the girl that uh, the the Myers girl, the Myers uh, girl from Princeton that's coming in is a very good player. It will be interesting to see how she adapts into playing in the Big Ten a little bit. The Ivy is a little bit different competition level, but she showed against. Kentucky and IU last year in the NCAA tournament that she could hang with power five programs. So I think that that will help them. I, I look at the roster and I was more kind of, we talked about this early in the off season, um, Kathy and kind of in our text messaging back and forth with Ari and, and, and people that we do with um, that there was something going on in Maryland. Uh, either there was a real falling out between coach Brenda freeze and a few of her players like Reese and Owusu Collins. They lost a couple others. I think they had five transfers out. And everybody was at first kind of like, whoa, what's going on? And 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 Maryland was, you were thinking, maybe going to drop down into the bottom half of the league. Well, then she went out into the portal and got the kids that you mentioned and these players who are going to bring talent. Now, the one thing you look at, Diamond Miller coming off an injury, Briggs coming off an injury to a certain degree, even though it was, occurred in February 2021, foot injuries are always, mm -hmm. they're just so, you never know. Um, to me, they almost become a, a, a career battle because you just never know. Think Pat Graham from those people my age back right. in the 90s uh, with IU men. Um as well um and then you you know so you look at that kind of thing so they, they may you know they do have some injury past issues there that you always going to kind of have in the back of your mind but like i said she went out and she found talent in the portal now as you said they're fairly small and i just as i posted in the chat with the workaholics i really think you're going to see maryland and they played 
kind of up tempo anyway. I think you're going to see them play more like Iowa. I think you're going to see them really push the tempo, shoot more threes. They're not going to be as inside oriented as they may have been in the past. Now, I think that's going to hurt them against some of the better teams that have sides. And we're going to talk about their schedule here in a few minutes. Um, but they, I, and, and Britta Freeze, I wonder about have to change their defensive philosophy. They were a team that switched basically everything one through five. And that made it hard for teams to go against them because most teams don't in the women's game aren't capable of switching one through five. And, and, and when you are, it really can hamper what teams do offensively. But with them losing as much size as they did and basically bringing in a bunch of guards and small forwards, I wonder if they can play that way. Now, what I'm more interested is rather than and more like maybe even an old um, Vegas type team. I'm looking to see if they pressure more and try to get up and pressure full court, make teams use up that 30 second shot clock as much in the backcourt and or the or just getting across the timeline to where you don't have as much time to take advantage of their lack of size. So I'll be very interested to see what they look like when the season starts for them in about 20 days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, another article I had read uh, asked um, Coach Freese about what kind of playing philosophy, and she said they will definitely be a lot more positionless next year, or this year rather now. I mean, we're almost there two weeks, Kathy, so not even. Um, but she mentioned something about even potentially not just doing four out, one in, but even five out. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, which I can is, see that and you which don't is, have a true center. Yeah. yeah, which is something you're seeing a lot of in the high school game right now, men, boys and girls here, especially in Indiana, a lot of five out, no traditional post players. Then you open up that middle of the lane for your basket cuts, your back cuts. You can screen away from it. There's all kinds of things you can do with it. I haven't seen as much of it at the college level because the college level tends to be a lot more dominated by dribble drive philosophy, even in the women's game. But it'll be very interesting to see what it looks like if she does play a true five out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the biggest question for me with Maryland is probably similar to us. Now they have a, a pretty hefty turnover in their roster. How are they going to kind of fit all those pieces together again? So um, I think that's probably the biggest question. It's very different than when we highlighted Iowa and Iowa, Iowa and Ohio State last week, where it was a lot of the same players returning. Mm -hmm. Here, again, on paper, they look like they've, they've definitely reloaded with their transfers. Um but again, you just never know how that chemistry is going to really all come together. One kid to keep an eye on, Kathy, is actually an Indiana kid. Uh, I believe her first name is M Milla. Uh, but Reynolds, the Reynolds girl from South Bend, Washington, committed to mm -hmm. them a couple of years ago. And she, at least in the high school game, was a pretty much a true center. Um, and, and had the ability to move out away from the post, but she's built like a center. So I would be interested to see if she gets some early run with them, especially if they need, feel like they need some size on the floor. So even though she wasn't one of the ones that you highlighted, and we really didn't highlight many of their incoming freshmen, but right. that, that'll be one with an Indiana connection. I'll be interested to kind of keep an eye on, see how much she plays out there. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good point. Thanks. Um, anything else on the team itself, or do you want to jump over to the schedule? I'll jump into the schedule here a little yeah, bit and I'll it. go first. And, and I, I, at least on paper, I will say Maryland probably has the toughest schedule anybody in the big 10 has. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I, and I'll kind of go through it all. And we, and I really, obviously our focus is on the big 10 season, but we did talk a little bit about non-conference scheduling last week, last <laughs> week with Iowa and, and Ohio state. Um, they're non-conference. Maryland's going to jump right into the battle. <laughs> I mean, they're going to host number one, South Carolina on November the 11th. That's their second game of the year. 
And South Carolina is the, is the third year in a row, I believe, the preseason number one. Um, I believe, don't, yes, I should be defending national champion. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I'm trying to remember. All of a sudden, I've gone. Yes. I, I've gone uh, <laughs> all forgetful here. Yeah, and yeah. so I mean, you're, so you're they're right. and so with all the turnover they had, that's a game where a you can find out a lot about yourself, but b it could get kind of ugly against a pretty good veteran South Carolina team. But that doesn't mean that's what the season is going to be for Maryland. Now, be the thing Brenda right. Friesen may have, may have to deal with a little bit is as she's trying to put this new pu- the new puzzle pieces as you talked about together. They may be some games, and, and I'm not saying they're very mean teams. Or you know, South Carolina can do that to a lot of teams this year. They're in the top ten, so right. it, uh, it, it's it's that's just something there. Then nine days later, they go to Waco to play Baylor. All right, now yep, Baylor may not team. be where they've been under Kim Mulkey, but this right now is still the class of the Big Twelve for the most part. Sure. Um, and yeah, outside of Iowa State. Yep. And then uh, the game that really popped to me because it's to me it's a little bit of a danger game. Five days later in Fort Myers, they're in. They go over Thanksgiving for a tournament down to Fort Myers. Their first game is against a DePaul team that, even though DePaul may be a a Big East team, and everybody kind of is like, "Oh, DePaul." Doug Bruno, very good coach, been there a long time at DePaul. This is the type of team that you know will jump and bite you. DePaul has been a consistent tournament team throughout Doug Bruno's tenure. So I'll be kind of watching that game as well. As we start getting toward the conference season in December, I'll be interested to see how that game plays out for Maryland against DePaul. And then they go into the challenge and they'll play in South Bend against Notre Dame, which will be kind of a home, will be a homecoming game for the Reynolds girl. But again, Notre Dame's going to be, I didn't see all the preseason ranking, but I assume Notre Dame's in the top 10 or 15. Number nine. Yep, number nine. They're number nine. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so far you have number one, South Carolina, 18, Baylor, number nine, Notre Dame. Yeah. And, then, and it's, it's now December 1st. <laughs> and then they're kind of their non-conference as far as the really good teams are playing in the non-conference. They're going to finish up on December 11th hosting UConn. And right. so number that's six. <laughs> five games against elite Top 10, 15, well, DePaul may not be top 15, but to no. me, those are elite teams they're playing. So by the time they get to the grind of the conference season, I think we're going to know pretty, a lot about Maryland as we get into December and January. Yeah, absolutely. You got um, by December 11th, they played three top 10 teams with South Carolina, Notre Dame, and UConn, and then number 18, Baylor in there as well. And like I said, um, I don't, and Doug, Bru- I, I respect, I, I have a lot of respect for Doug Bruno and what he's done at DePaul over the years. And so, like I said, I, to me, Merrill may end up winning that game. They may win it by 20, but I also sure. seen DePaul step up and beat teams like that when, because they just, everybody thinks, oh, you know, how did DePaul win? Well, because Doug Bruno's a pretty darn good coach right. and DePaul's had a pretty good program over the years. And then I, you kind of, we kind of were talking about this a little bit back and forth in, in, in last week with the other teams. I, you look at their big 10 schedule. They, they play Iowa twice, Ohio State twice, Nebraska twice. I mean, that's uh, the four teams besides Indiana that we're kind of talking about in the top five. They play everybody twice except IU, and then they go on the road to play us. Right. So right. I, I, their schedule, not only non-conference, but they probably got the toughest road in the Big Ten. Their other two-time, their other double plays are Rutgers. You would think they'll win those two, and Michigan State. Again, I think they'll beat Michigan State twice. But going to East Lansing isn't always the easiest game no. in the world. So yeah, we can ask Michigan about that from last year. <laughs> yeah, and, and so but and Michigan yeah. State was a little better than we think they're going to be last year than yeah. we think they're going to be this year. But I just think you know when you look, especially these top contenders, Maryland may have not only the toughest schedule overall, but I think they really have a meat grinder in the Big Ten, and that may be what keeps them from possibly winning the title. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, I should mention too, uh, even though Michigan's only a single play, they sneaked into the top 25 here in this first official poll that came out. Um, so that's, that's at least a single play for them at home. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, cool. so we got now six teams in the uh, top 25. For, and, for and, the big time, so. and, and I and I did write this one down. They go to Purdue as a single play. And yes. again, may not be Thank an you. easy game to win. I'm not saying they will lose it. I'm just saying these are not going to be easy places to play. So you, you think about some of their games that they're getting at home, as you mentioned, that they're singles at home. Yeah, they're getting some of the, the lower end teams, which will make it easier for them to win. But some of their tough games are the double plays or single games okay. on the road. Yeah, I agree. Like you mentioned, they have us away. They also have Wisconsin away, Purdue away. Um, and then their only single play home games are against at least number 25, Michigan, Illinois, Minnesota, and then Penn State. So, yeah, they, they definitely did not get an easy draw with their schedule. Now, they also, uh, Kathy, also put, put this out there. If it comes down to this, they finish the season on Friday, February 24th in Columbus, against Ohio State. So they could be battling for the conference title, a share of the conference title, or teams like IU and, and Iowa that are going to play a couple days later, maybe watching that game to see how that impacts their where they finish in the conference standing, whether it's a win, a tie, whatever. So that last weekend, those those four teams, to me, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, obviously IU and mm -hmm. Iowa, but that Nebraska or that uh, Maryland-Ohio State game could have huge that ramifications really on – could have huge ramifications on seating in the Big Ten tournament. Right. And a Friday at six o'clock at night. So yeah. um, the other thing we covered, Jeff, last time was kind of talking about the last six games or so. Yes. Um, so I'll just I'll actually start with seven because so they start February 2nd at Iowa, February 5th at home against Ohio State, February 9th at Northwestern then home um, against Illinois, then at Michigan State, home Iowa, and then, as you already mentioned, at Ohio State. So what, what are your thoughts on that last seven schedule for them? Because it doesn't feel real – I mean, it's not quite well, as brutal Indiana's last six, but it's it's no cakewalks. I mean, it's right I'm there. Not, I'm not sure it's not worse than I use, Kathy. You're going to play Iowa twice and Ohio State twice. Yeah. In that segment. And the, the plus they get is – Illinois, we everybody figures Illinois is going to be toward the bottom two, three of the league. Northwestern is going to be somewhere probably eight through 11, somewhere in there. So you would think they're going to get a little bit of a respite there. But to me, you're going to play Iowa and Ohio State, basically four out of those seven. Excuse me, four out of those seven. Sure. That's not an yeah, easy road. I yeah, I, I I still would make ours just a, a little harder, right? We also play Iowa twice, but we also have Purdue twice. Well, maybe not necessarily, you know, if you look at Purdue in terms of where they're at in the standings, we, I think we all know that those games just are never easy. No. And, you know, especially going to Purdue as well. Um, and then we have Michigan buried in there too. So of our last six games, we, we don't have an Illinois on the schedule. No. So, um, so I would still give us a little bit of nod, but boy, they're, they're right there as well with the way they, they close out conference. That's for sure. And, 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 and one thing I will say here, Brenda freeze has been through these battles before. She is a veteran coach. Well, well-regarded coach and, and, and has found ways to win with those teams. And, you know, when they've been dominant and at times when we kind of thought maybe they were about ready to uh, not drop off, but you know, just weren't going to be a contender. I, I think Maryland, I, I think we get into those last six, seven games, at least Maryland will be in the mix. Now, how those last six, seven play out will determine where everybody finishes up. But I think we get into the Feb. to me, when we get to February, I think you're going to see the four to five teams we're talking yeah. about toward the top. 
I do too. I, I, I do feel like um, after looking more at those, you know, four or five teams or whatever, a, a little more in depth with their schedule and rosters, I think it's going to be kind of a log jam there mm-hmm. coming into February too, because it does feel like at least a number of the schools that we've looked at in terms of scheduling, a lot of their, you know, heavier opponents are are really weighted in that February timeframe. So I well, think it's going to be an exciting February. Well, and with that, just like you pointed out, Kathy, I, you and Iowa don't play at all until that stretch. Ohio yep, or Maryland, Maryland. Maryland and Iowa don't play at all until that stretch. Yep. Maryland and Ohio State don't play at all. Until, so, so there's kind of that uniqueness there that the, and I don't know if the Big Ten did it on purpose or whether it just <laughs> shook out that way. But that, I think that will help explain some of that log jam because they're all going to be kind of beaten up on the bottom half of the league until those last six, seven games of the season. Yeah, That's when they're going to yeah. start playing each other and starting to get a little separation possible. Yep, absolutely. Um, so any other last thoughts on uh, Maryland before we move on to Nebraska again? Uh, you know, our biggest question, was there really a problem with the team that we saw the transfers out? And how did those new transfers kind of fit in then? Um, and if they, they can uh, right the ship if they needed to, we don't know, obviously. No, we'll find out, but I don't, I, I don't have anything else. I thought, I really felt like we covered Nebraska, or excuse me, Maryland pretty well. Yes. Well, good. With a nice uh, segue then to, to Nebraska. <laughs> so I'll, I'll kick us off here. So Nebraska came out as ranked number 22. Um, they are picked preseason by the media to finish fifth in the Big Ten. Um, Michigan was picked fifth in the Big Ten by the coaches poll. So um, a little interesting um, difference of opinion there. So um, they returned their top three scores from last year. I should just start off and also mention, though, that they had um, Sam Haby from last year um, was expected to be a major contributor again this year. She was, I believe, second on the team in scoring last year. She suffered a leg injury in practice earlier this year, um, this um, offseason, and she is going to be out for the entire season. So it will be interesting to see how they um, can be able to retool and move forward without her now, but they do still, even without Sam, they still return top three scorers from last year. So they have jazz Shelley, who is a starter. Um, she is a guard. She transferred in from Oregon last year where she had played two years prior um, to that. So last year she made the second team, all big 10, and she was also on the all big 10 defensive team last year. Um, interesting as well for jazz is that she shot just under 41% from three. <laughs> um, and she averaged 13 points per game, including over her last six games, she averaged 19 points per game. So she was really heating up at the end of last year. Um, another starter. So they do return four starters from last year. So Alexis Markowski um, is a sophomore center. She was the big 10 freshman of the year last year and made second team, all big 10. She is picked on the preseason, all big 10 team right now. Um, she was second last year. I'm sorry. So I misspoke. Sam was not, she was second on the team in scoring last year at just under 13 points per game. And she led the team in rebounding at eight rebounds per game. Um, so clearly, um, she's going to be her, the force down low for them. Um, Isabel Bourne, also a store starter, um, is a forward. She's, uh, was all big 10 honorable mention last year. She shot just under 52% from field goal. Um, the interesting thing for her, she is going into her fourth year. Um, she has a hundred, excuse me, 843 career points. And they're expecting that she will crack that 1000 point club this year and become the third 36 Husker to do so. Um, the last starter that's coming back is a sophomore, um, Allison Widener. She's um, she averaged around seven points per game. So, um, so in addition to the 
folks coming back. Maddie Kroll is a transfer from South Dakota. This will be her third year playing. She's a guard. Um, she was a two-year starter at South Dakota and averaged around seven points per game. Um, they're expecting her to actually contribute more on the defensive side than so much on the offensive side. Obviously, reading through some of the stats of the coming back starters, they have a lot of points there. Um, so they might be focusing her more on defense. Um, and then the, we didn't talk about freshmen for Maryland, but I did find one for Nebraska. That was interesting. Maddie Mandelson. She was a top 35 recruit from Utah. She actually reclassified so she could come to school. Um, and she's actually was a top five volleyball player. Um, so she's a double, um, double sports, um, participant for her. So, um, they did lose a couple folks to transfers, um, a couple of their scores. One person that started 25 games, Ashley Scugan and Bella Cravens, who started 15 games. So they did have other people that started as well that um, that left the program. So overall, though, pretty pretty much a lot of people coming back. Um, the the big question for me is how they'll fill the hole for Sam Haby not being able to play with her injury. Um, so a lot of really good experience and a lot of those people that are coming back are um, four or five-year players as well. So pretty veteran squad for Nebraska. Yeah, I will be interested about Mendelssohn, whether, you know, because Nebraska's volleyball program is elite, you know, yep. and so I wonder how that's going to work out for them um, with that, because I can't imagine she's spending a lot of time in preseason basketball practice right now, right. but maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, I don't know how they work that out with her. Um the other thing I'll point out here is to me, Haby's a big loss. I, I'm not yeah. saying it's going to take them down into the seventh or eighth place in the standings, but she's such a veteran presence. And she just, and she was kind of a glue type uh, player for them. She just did a little bit of everything and she just had a calming presence on the floor. Uh, the one that really we struggled with last year was Markowski uh, mm -hmm. as a freshman. And, and part of that was because Mac did not play either game yeah. against Nebraska. And it really, they really kind of exploited that matchup in Lincoln. The, the second time around first time, I think they kind of got caught. I, think they, I don't think it got announced till that morning that Mac wasn't playing it against Nebraska. So they probably didn't have time to prepare, but in the game in Lincoln, Markowski played well and they really, and again, another game where we really struggled with, with inside game and rebounding uh, yeah. in that game on the I road. I don't think we can shoot that game either. I think it just yeah. wasn't quite clicking for us. Yeah. So, but Nebraska, I don't think has enough talent, especially without Haby to move into a top two, maybe even three, but I think they're going to be right there in that four or five mix. I think they'll need a look to catch some breaks, but I can very easily see them being fifth and making the tournament. And, and, and with Haby, if Haby was healthy, I, I could see them being, I'm still not sure they're quite a top level contender for the big 10 title, but Lincoln is becoming a tough place to play. They beat Michigan there last year. They beat, if I remember right, they beat Iowa in, in Lincoln last year. Mm -hmm. They beat us in Lincoln. So it's becoming a place that you really don't want to go to. And so I think they could have gotten into a top three, top four of the league. Now I think they're going to be right there. I think they're solidly in fifth. Um, and if they get to higher than that, they'll surprise me a little bit. And I'll be happy to come on here at the end of the year and say, I was wrong about that. Right. But, but, uh, it just, I think that that Haby injury really is going to keep them from being able to make that yeah. next step up. But I think they're, I think they make the tournament and I think they can win a round or two in the tournament. Yeah, I can see that. The other thing I kind of see from Nebraska, a little bit similar to last year, I think they could be a spoiler for, for teams that maybe oh, to yeah. your point are underestimating them going into Lincoln. And for those of us, maybe our, for our listeners, if you didn't watch 
the women's team in Lincoln last year. Uh, maybe flip them on sometime this year because their environment for the women's team is a little different than you might see on the men's side. They definitely have a lot more raucous crowd than they do right now, at least for their men's program. So don't don't kind of equate the two when we're saying they have quite the home field uh, or home home advantage there because I, I, I that's what I'm kind of expecting from Nebraska. Same as you. I, I maybe four if you know things really break the right way for them. Right. But I think they're gonna be more of a spoiler for people not watching and right. paying attention to them. So and so you look at their schedule now yep. of the teams we've talked about, they may have the easiest non-conference schedule. Yes. And I wonder if this will come back to hurt them a little bit when they make the tournament in terms of their net and where they may get seated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They they play Creighton. And the only reason I'm kind of throwing Creighton on here is because Creighton yeah. beat Iowa last year. And they're number 21, actually. And, and they are number 21. Yeah. But, but uh, it, again, it's a game that it, – it's kind of a traditional rivalry game. Yep. I, 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 they're at – but it's at Creighton. And it's on yep. It's on the road in Omaha at Creighton. And then they go to Puerto Rico over Thanksgiving, and they will play uh, Mississippi State in their second game down there. And, and to me mm-hmm. – and I, I did highlight Virginia Tech in the challenge – yeah. But I I really thought for going to I really thought were tough games for them in the non-conference was Creighton and Mississippi State. I, That's I'm, interesting. I thought I put Virginia Tech down. I mean, because they're ranked 13th right now and that's on the road. Yeah, I guess so, I was overlooking Virginia Tech then yeah. because I just I, I just don't think of Virginia Tech as one of those uh, kind of the elite teams in the ACC. But sure. You know, I didn't either I, until the rankings came out. And I'm like, gosh, I feel like that sounds familiar. So I went and looked it up and I was putting my notes together last night. Well, like, then let's oh, throw yeah, them on there. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I can, I can throw them in. And But yeah. again, but other than that, that's the only three tough games I see in the non-conference yeah. for them. Uh, their other non, the non-conference games are um, uh, Kansas, Washburn, or Washburn's mm-hmm. actually Omaha, Houston, Christian, Drake on the road at Drake, but still, you know, Drake, Tarleton, uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi down in Puerto Rico, Samford, Wyoming, and Kansas are their other non-conference games. So, you know, I I just – those were the three I would highlight as tough games for them, and, and one's on the and, – and two are on the road and one's in a tournament. So they're, they're, they're not getting any real tough games at home, but I would expect them to run the table in most of those other games. Yeah, I would too. I, the women's program for Kansas isn't um... – very strong, right? Okay, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't mid-level at best, I think, yeah. in the Big 12. Um, okay. and then I you, you look at the Big Ten schedule, <laughs> and to a certain degree, their doubles pretty com- pretty competitive because they play Iowa twice, Maryland twice, Michigan twice, but mm-hmm. then they also get Northwestern and Illinois twice. So, in my opinion, they ought to be basically four and oh in those four games. And then you just find a way to split maybe the other three if you if you can. They're singles that I highlighted. They're at IU. They're home with Ohio State. And then at Purdue. Then their other singles are basically against the bottom half, you know, all against teams that we figure are going to be in the bottom half of the league. Um, but no favors for them from the standpoint of, of Iowa, Maryland, Michigan as their doubles. And then at IU and, and, and at Purdue, they're only really true – uh, their only single home game with one of the top level contenders is Ohio state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that theirs was probably a little more balanced than some of the other schedules that we've been looking yeah, that's at. That's a good word. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same thing. You want me to run down the last six and then you can break down. So um, yeah, go ahead. 
All right, let me, I'm kind of backwards. Okay, yeah. so starting um, February 9th, they are home against Illinois, then at Michigan, at Minnesota, home against Iowa, at Illinois, and then home against Northwestern. So that's basically their February schedule. And not a, outside of Iowa and Michigan, not a contender in the bunch. And they exactly. only played them once. They play Illinois twice. Um, and if you go back seven games, if you go back to the February 6th game, they're yeah. going to play Northwestern twice. So out of their yeah. last seven, they're going to play Northwestern twice, Illinois twice. That's again, those are the games I think they ought to be four and oh in. And then at home with Iowa in that stretch. So they're going to be at Iowa earlier in January, but they'll be at home with Iowa, which again, we just said already, we think they could be a spoiler right. in this whole thing. Um, and then um, they go to, and they do go to Michigan. And so, again, I think schedule wise, like you said, it's a if for them, it's a balanced schedule. But I just don't think it's as tough as some of the teams we've talked about. I don't think it's the, it's the last six or seven games that IU or Maryland have. I think it's tough as overall as maybe Maryland has in the Big Ten or IU. We talked a little bit about last week. I think we both, both kind of felt that Iowa had a little bit of an easier schedule than Ohio State. But those top three or four – you know, kind of all in that same boat and Nebraska, maybe not quite as tough, but I just don't think they can win some of those games on the road that you're going to, you know, that you're going to need to, if you want to be, like you said, jump up into a top three, I think, you know, four, if they're lucky, I, I have them slotted at fifth here. Right. Yeah. The only thing that might help push them into that four versus a five again is like, we haven't gotten into Michigan or looked at their schedule, no. um, who I would think that might be, who is battling for that, you know, fourth, fifth position between those two teams um they do have a, a an easier schedule down the stretch so maybe yep. if the fatigue is setting in and again not knowing what michigan's schedule looks like down the road that's where this schedule i think could play in their favor so um it is definitely you know if you compare it to any of the other teams we've looked at so far the easier february schedule i think of of the bunch that we've looked at of the five teams but they're also playing teams like Maryland and I you know, and IU and Purdue a little bit earlier in the season than some of the other teams we've talked sure. about. So, yeah. uh, and I think right now, we, 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 bad. You never know. You know yeah. I, I'm one of those, I'm going to go and say, I believe, I think IU is going to win the big 10. I, I, of course I'm on the show. I better say that. Shouldn't I? <laughs> um, but I, I really think it comes down to IU, Iowa, Ohio state, those three, I think yeah. Maryland can be in that. It can be in the mix, but I think when it all shakes out, they'll end up being about fourth, third or fourth. And then you throw in to me from four through six, four through seven, you're looking at, or let's say four through six. I think yeah. you're looking at, uh, or seven, I'll say seven. I, I kind of do numbers in my head. I was, <laughs> I'm kind of doing this, I think, rather than having notes on this. So I know, then you I throw in, so, so if Maryland's fourth, then let's go fifth through seventh is probably uh, Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan, Michigan. All right. So, and those, so those three teams try and battle in there Same. to maybe get fifth or, and if they're lucky up to fourth. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I have it too. I in terms of order, uh, you know, I I don't think I'll order them, but yeah, same. If we're we're doing segments of teams, top three, I agree. Iowa, Ohio State, yeah. Indiana, and then and then right on the heels there, you never know with Maryland again. Brenda Fries is a, a good coach and how mm. she gets them playing, um, and then yeah, Nebraska, Purdue, and. Um, uh, <clears throat> Michigan. Sorry, my brain just blanked yeah, too. Yeah, so. I was the same thing. <laughs> I should, shouldn't have. So basically, I think we're right. Maybe slightly different order, um, whatever. So um, any anything after you've now done a little deeper look into these two teams, Jeff, that has changed your mind or opened additional questions for what that Big Ten race will look like among the top five? Because now we've covered five teams, right? Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, 
now Maryland and Nebraska, those top five, have anything changed your mind about them or opened any more questions for you on them? I don't think anything's really changed my mind as much as as we really dug into this over the last couple of weeks, Kathy, and we did a little bit with, uh, I think, with Amanda when we did the preview of the IU schedule. The, the, that last six, seven games for so many of these teams, I don't think we're really going to know where the conference is until we get to February. And, 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 and what I mean by that is I think those teams are going to take care of business against, as Ari's pointing out in the chat here with the workaholics, the bottom seven is expected to be really a big, a big gap between the top seven and the, and the bottom seven. There's not really a, a group in the middle. And, and so, but you know, IU, like I said, plays it doesn't play Iowa until that last stretch. We just got done talking about Maryland doesn't play Iowa or Ohio State till the last stretch. Uh, we talked about and so I think we're really, you know, I think you're gonna see three, four teams toward the top of the Big Ten standings. You know, they may be, you know, the so 18, yeah. 18 games, you know, they may be 10 and one, 10 and two going into that stretch. And Mm -hmm. you know, three or four teams really kind of locked and everybody's going what a great and then by the time we're done it'll it obviously it'll shake it'll out but i still out. think it's yeah. going down i still think it will come down to the last weekend yeah i i do too i i, I absolutely like i mentioned you know earlier on the show tonight i think there's going to be a total log jam up at the top yeah. three four teams going into february and then we'll start to see some separations there and and it, i think it's gonna a lot boil down to two things in my mind um how healthy teams stay, which is always the case, but not just um, for one or two games, but really going into that stretch. And if they can really then number two gel together, uh, you know, some of these teams, Iowa, we know what we're getting. Some of them, us, Maryland with a lot of transfers, maybe not. And maybe by February, they really got it clicking. And that's maybe a good time to be playing your harder, harder teams is in that February timeframe. So it could work out more in our favor if, you know, it, it's just taking the team a little bit of time to gel. So those are just some overarching thoughts I had, but anything yeah. else you want to talk about with those? Well, I'll build off of that in terms of what I think with that is that I don't think we're going to see any of these things like we saw last year. I don't think we'll see teams get shut down for a week or two. Uh, I think we've gotten past yeah. that. It just just by what we've seen in other sports, I don't think we're, right. you know, like if somebody gets yeah, if somebody right. gets sick, they'll quarantine a player. They won't quarantine a whole team anymore. Um, so you don't have that issue of like IU trying to play six games in 12 days again. But I do think when it comes down to those last six, seven, no matter who you're playing, to a certain degree, how many how many days of rest do you get? And, you know, for yeah. example, do you get two days or do you get three days? You know, and so not only when you play them and where you play them, but how kind of where it's coming on point. the calendar cycle in terms of how many days of rest are you getting? And I would imagine we talked a little bit with Grace Berger about this. Actually, a couple of different times I talked with Grace Berger about this last year on the Grace Berger show where, you know, Coach Morin was always really good about trying to get them a day off right after a game like so if they played on tuesday yep. they wouldn't practice on wednesday now, i still watch film they do that stuff but they wouldn't really get in and do a full-blown practice but you know so but that gets a little harder to do when and i and grace said they still did it so obviously they did but but you know it, when you're kind of in that crunch time of every two to three days or four days that you're playing um i didn't look one of the things maybe we should have looked at and i didn't in terms of scheduling is there's always for the big 10 teams there's about there's a spot in there where they get about a week off they yeah. play a game and then they're off for about six seven eight days and i just looked at ours jeff ours comes at the end 
for um, February 19th, we play Purdue and then we don't play again. So we play at Iowa to end the season on the 26th. <laughs> and that, and exactly. That's what I'm getting at, Kathy. That could yeah. be huge. If you yeah. are going to Iowa with a chance to win it outright or to get a share to be fresh, you know, coming off of that, you know, to have a, a week's rest when they're probably going to be coming off a game two, three, four days beforehand, that could be huge. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that concludes the meat of our program, unless you had any other things you've thought of that you want to throw in. No, right, I don't well, have, I don't have anything else. Kathy had been, an, I loved talking schedules. I, yeah. as a former coach, I love breaking down <laughs> schedules. I love kind of breaking, you know, film breakdown was always kind of my favorite thing. Uh-huh. But looking at schedules, I used to, one of the things I used to enjoy and people probably think I'm nuts was setting down about this time of year when I'd start working out my scouting schedule. So I always like mm-hmm. looking at schedules and figuring out, you know, where Good. people are playing, but, but this is this, this big 10 season. And this kind of lead us into talking about next week's guest with Kyle Huseman uh, from Hawkeye report um, to kind of look at the big 10 as a whole. And, and, and I just think this is going to be one heck of an exciting big 10 season. Yep, absolutely. I, I do too. I absolutely agree. So, all right, we'll head into our final uh, segment here, which is um, some questions from our listeners. Um, we only have one this week. So on Twitter, Sarcastic Mike, he asked us, how would you like to see the point guard minutes divided up this year? Even Nikki last year didn't play 100% point guard at the time when she was on the court and she wasn't always on the court. Do you see an 80-20 split or is it being more evenly spread around o- over four or five players? So Jeff, I'll let you answer that first. And what are your thoughts on point guard play this year? Well, I've talked about this on a couple episodes and 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 thanks Sarcastic Mike for the question. I hope you're listening uh, to our episode. Uh, if you're not watching here on the live YouTube feed, um, I've talked about it. I think you're going to see Grace Berger play some of this. I think, I, I, mm-hmm. I think it'll be divided over three or four players. I think you will see uh, Grace Berger get some minutes as a, a, what I would refer to as kind of the old point forward Don Nelson used to use with the Bucks or even the, the Warriors. Um, I would also say that I think we'll see Yarden Garzon playing here at this spot. I would not be surprised to see Yarden playing a lot more as we get to middle to later in the season at this spot. I think mm-hmm. you can Sydney Parrish can handle this spot in short, you know, short term. Um, Chloe what about could even Sarah. Do you think Sarah, Sarah can? I was getting ready I mean, to go there. And, and Sarah think of her more of a shooting guard, yeah. but yeah. And Sarah Scalia can play this spot. So I think you'll see it much more split over four to you know, three, four, maybe even up to five players. But I uh, there will not be, I don't think, a traditional the way we thought of it with Nikki Cardano Hillary as kind of that point guard. And as you pointed out, Allie was still around and Allie could do some things with the ball as a point guard. Uh, even though she wasn't designated as the point guard a lot of times. But I think you'll see by the middle of the season to end of the season, if the things we're hearing, and again, I only hear them secondhand, but there's a, there's a lot of buzz about Garzon coming out of the camp. And and I would be I will not be shocked if she's getting some big minutes by the middle of the season. And, and, and when I say big minutes, I'm talking, you know, 18 to 20 minutes a game. Yeah, I, 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 that's kind of where my head went when I read this question too. Um, I, I think so. To answer his last question, do I see an eighty twenty split or more spread evenly over multiple players? I think for me, I'm more of the multiple players. I don't necessarily think that we're going to see the ball handled by one person every time down the down the floor. So um, I think it will definitely be less traditional and at least in our minds of what we historically think of point guards. So. Um, anything else on that question for you? No, but like I said, I think it'll be interesting to see what Terry Morin does do with it. Because I, uh, outside of Garzan, I don't know if there is a true type of point guard on the roster anyway. I, you know, I'm yeah. not even sure Caitlin Peterson really qualifies as a true right. point guard. 
Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's talk some programming info, um, Jeff, and then I'll turn it right back to you for any last moment thoughts so you can have some time to gather yourself here. But let's talk about programming info, everyone. So Jeff um, just alluded to this. Next Wednesday, Jeff and I will be back again at the same time. So 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Um, next week, we will have a special guest. So his name is Kyle Huseman. He will be joining us. He writes for the Hawkeye Report. So if you haven't figured out what that is, he is the writer for Iowa um, Sports. So if you still have any lingering questions about Iowa that you want to throw at his way, please shoot us a message if you're on our, our private community inside that community or um, hit us up on Twitter. Um, speaking of Twitter, Jeff is keeping us updated about all of our Hoosier alums that are playing out in the professional realms, um, both inside our community and out on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at D-T-W-I-U-W-B-B. That's a mouthful. So if you can't remember that, you can just search for doing the work with spaces in between on Twitter and you should be able to find us. Um, you can also go out to Simply Call community page and join our private community there. We talk um, not just men's basketball there. We, As mentioned, we have women's basketball. We have football stuff going on. Um, Ari does a nice job covering all kinds of sports, soccer um, quite, quite often. So if you haven't joined us, um, um, I think it's well worth the the money that um, is about, I think, five or six dollars a month. I can't remember, but go out to the Simply Call page and you'll find it. Um, speaking of Simply Call, Assembly Call Radio is scheduled for their regular show tomorrow at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. And if you haven't had enough of Jeff and I, Jeff and I will be making a special guest appearance tomorrow night on the show um, to do a, a crossover segment with the Assembly Call guys. So hopefully you can join us tomorrow night as well. Okay, Jeff, with that, it is time for last call. What lingering thoughts do you want to leave us with tonight? Oh, I need to start coming up with like some philosophical, you know, profound type <laughs> things I can leave the audience with to think about for the next week. Um, but no, I, I, a couple of things. I, I want to say that for those who've been following the community on Twitter um, uh, with the updates, there was just something I kind of started thinking about with the kids that graduated or, or left after last year of the program. And when I say left, they just they, they graduated, whatever phrase you want to give it, but did, didn't want to come back for their COVID year. Um, Alexa Golbay and Nikki Cardano Hillary. And then I started thinking Amanda Cahill has been playing over in Europe for a handful of years and she's having a really good season. She's with a team in Luxembourg. Um, uh, the re her team is residents and she's, she's put, averaging over 20 a game, um, and putting up some decent numbers. Um, and then we were told last week, I think maybe Richie told us in the chat last week that Tyra bus was playing again. And I'm not sure if Tyra mm -hmm. had played since graduating. I, I, I thought she'd went pretty much straight into so, so, some coaching and I'm not yeah, sure she'd played anything since graduating, but she's playing now in Lithuania and she scored uh, 20 points in her first game over there. And part of the reason she's in Lithuania now, she got married over the summer. Uh, I still refer to her as Tyra Buss. So everybody already know who I'm talking about, but yeah. she is Tyra, Tyra Davison now. And, 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 but interesting, at least on the European page, she still is going by, is still listing her as Tyra Buss. So it, it was pretty easy to find her. And then, um, uh, but he's playing in, in Lithuania. So, um, oh, but I did, I did read an article uh, uh, earlier last, before she played her first game where she was talking about it, it is a little bit of a struggle because she's the, some of the players speak English, but the coaching staff doesn't seem to be speaking any English. Oh, so she's, oh you know, boy. she's kind of getting thrown into the, you know, and she doesn't know much Lithuanian. So, I bet um, not. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, but then I, I'm not quite sure. Um, Nicole Cardano Hillary 
has played all three games and you got a few minutes here and there. Now, Alexa didn't play the last game for her team. And I, I, I it's hard to find news. And, and sometimes it takes a day or so for the scores to actually update. You'll see who wins and loses, but there's no stats or anything. So Alexa didn't play in the last game. So I don't know whether maybe she had an illness, an injury, but she didn't play in that last game for her team. So again, it's just something I thought would be fun for the people in the community and, 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 and then the uh, Twitter feed to kind of follow along since we really kind of got invested, especially with Alexa and Nikki, you know, even on this show, you know, as we were talking about the team. Um, but I also want to point out where I'm really excited and Kathy's excited too about Kyle, because this is really going to be the first time we've kind of gone outside of our kind of Hoosier network that we've had access to, whether it's the assembly call guys or Amanda Foster, Austin Render, um, uh, Seth Tao, people who cover yep. IU. We were actually kind of going out. Kyle is one of the writers for the rivals, the Iowa rivals site, mm -hmm. and he covers women's basketball. And so obviously, again, like Kathy said, post your questions about Iowa women, but also the big 10 in general. Cause he's, you know, uh, he's seen, you know, yeah. the other teams in the big 10 team, as well as he covers the Iowa women. So just a little bit different perspective. And like I said, I, we're excited to be, you know, kind of bringing in somebody that we haven't talked with before from outside of kind of the, the Hoosier uh, family and see, you know, and so for us, it's kind of an exciting thing here on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, if you just go and search for Hawkeye report, you'll be able to find Kyle Huseman's, um some, his work out there and give it a read. If you um, have some time before, uh, we talk with them next week, but Jeff, I think with that, we can probably go ahead and wrap it up unless yep. you have anything else that's come into your brain. <laughs> nope. Just want to thank everybody who continues to listen. One thing, maybe Kathy, if you, I know a few people on Twitter seen it uh, at some point there, we're going to be kind of spun off into our own feed on podcast uh, you know, with the doing the work. It won't, it won't be found under the assembly call banner per se, and, but we'll still be part of the back home network, but it's, it's kind of exciting for us to get our own, you know, as we haven't quite got there yet, but just to give you guys a heads up that, we, yeah. you know, that it's coming that we'll kind of have our own doing the work podcast feed that you'll be able to, to listen to as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to reiterate that with, you know, without folks here in our chat mob or listening later with a whatever podcast feed of your choice or rewatching on YouTube, I just want to say thanks because this is not, um, again, this isn't Jeff and I, our profession, we do it just because we love Indiana women's basketball and we want other people to just know more about them. Um, and so we love to spread the word. And without you here, there's really no purpose. It would just be Jeff and I chatting with each other. So um, this has been a lot of fun for me as well. Um, a special thanks to as well to my husband. He's been a great supporter. I, he's probably listening right now. So thanks to Sean. Uh, he's just been fantastic giving me time and, uh, doing some of the other household duties that normally we split. Um, so he's been taking a lot more duties so that I can do this with Jeff and make sure we're prepared for all of you. And also a big thanks to Ari who's in the chat and Jared from assembly call for yep. supporting us and getting us up and running. So, um, yeah, anyway, keep an eye on our Twitter feed. As soon as we know that that podcast feed will be split out and we'll make sure you can still find us. Um, but that will probably be our main form of communication. But if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, be sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is still youtube.com slash assembly call. Um, you can also sign up for the free IU hoops email newsletter where they also cover um, some women's stuff. And again, other sports that comes out every Sunday. 
Um, you can go do that at join.assemblycall.com. A special huge thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our new logo. You can see we have another new one up in the, the corner of the YouTube feed if you're watching. Um, and it's all over our Twitter account. So huge thanks to John. But again, just reiterating, thanks to all of you um, for listening. Um, we'll be back to talk IU hoops and other Big Ten and Iowa hoops again next week on Wednesday. So until then, keep your eyes in, your elbows on the rim. Yeah, your elbow. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. <laughs> Until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm not sure how you keep your eyes in and your elbows on the rim, but that would be interesting to see. <laughs> oh, that was something I would do. I'm even looking right at the words on my sheet and I still mess it up. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things I need to figure out a way to have my notes like in front of me instead of always kind of looking down. I'm sure the people on the yeah. YouTube feed are like, he's always looking down. That's where my notes are. You know, yeah. I need to have a way to either get a bigger table or, or get some way I can hang them up like in front of me. So, and so. mine are all electronic and, I have three screens right now and that's the benefit of working from home and my, and Sean worked for home. My husband worked from home all through COVID. So for like 18 months, this was his setup down here. And uh, so I, I actually could have four monitors. I don't know how he does that. I should teach um, so that's the benefit of having a desk job and I still work from home. So I'm used to having things on multiple screens. So I should try that because my wife has another computer in here. I just always use my Mac and I don't want to have a kind of a split screen where I'm half the screen with you and then half screen with something else. Cause again, my Wi-Fi is not bad. It's, it's, yep. it's not bad, but there have been times, as you know, where it's kind of the videos kind of frozen up on me. And so I've always felt like that the more I put in this up on the screen or have running, the more I run that risk. So, but I have to maybe try that. So try my wife's computer because it's right over, it's actually sets right behind where I go. set up and I could, I could probably see that well enough that I could, I could read the, the, the run sheet without having to always be looking down at it and stuff. So anyway, yeah. so, Hey, great show, Kathy. I loved it tonight. Yeah. I, I really, in these last two weeks kind of, you know, first of all, it, it what's the whistle of getting ready for IU women's basketball. It also gets us, you know, and obviously I mean, we're here to talk about IU women's basketball, but, but yeah. it is kind of fun to look at the league as a whole. Something we didn't get to do last year because we kind of started this after the season had begun. You know, it was about this time a year ago, I think, that you and I were having this discussion on an AC uh, yeah. AC radio chat mob that, you know, we were kind of like, hey, let's, you know, let's do that something like this. Fun. Let's so, try it. That's a, you know, let's try that. And so, and, and Jared, as you said, got us, you know, Jared and, and Scott and Galen all have been very helpful yeah. uh, to help us get set up. Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms and, and, and Ryan and Ryan Phillips have all been very helpful and helping spread the word. But we also we, we hope the people who are listening, the people who are watching will help us spread the word. But we're kind of hoping maybe that having somebody like Kyle on will help spread the word among you know people that, you know, we're hoping he'll spread the word a little bit to people that follow him on Twitter. And, you know, we can uh, we can get there because we're having fun with it. And and tonight, get show good show, Kathy. I, I really like this because you you kind of focused on the players. Yeah, I was focused more on the schedule. That, which is, like I said, that was where really I, well. I, I I liked that part of it when I was coaching. I kind of liked looking at that kind of nitty gritty type stuff when I was coaching. So yeah, it did work out perfectly. So sure so, um, all right. Well, let me we'll end the pod broadcast. Yeah, we'll yep. be back next week. Thanks yeah. to everyone. In the pod. Still out. Thanks everybody, and we'll stick okay. around. We got a couple things to talk about. Absolutely. All right. Good night, all. See you guys.